In episode 7.3 of Unshuffled, we discuss the third album from The Pretty Reckless. It's called Who You Selling For? But first, here's our awesome intro music from Seven Planets. Welcome listeners, welcome back to Unshuffled. I know you've been anxiously awaiting this one, so it's great to have you back. I'm your host, Matt, and as always, joining me from Japan, the other side of the world, our co-host, Scotty D. Hi, Scott. Get your shit together. (laughs) It's good to see you, Matt. (laughs) Hope all is well. All is very well. It's beautiful here in Belgium, beautiful sunny day, and I think that winter is behind us. Let's hope so anyway. It's been a little while as usual. We all, it always takes us a little longer than we hope to get around to our next podcast, but here we are. We've had a good month or so to absorb our album of the day. This one's called Who You Selling For by The Pretty Reckless, their third album. I was looking forward to it. I've had a good time with it. You know, we were sort of both wondering about which direction they were going to go. We saw a few hints of perhaps a bluesier approach. So it was interesting to get my hands on this one and, and give it a listen and see where they took this thing. How did you go with your with this album? Talk about your first impressions and your time listening to this. I, I really like this album, actually. Um, I mean, th- this album, I think, is going to be one that uh, I'll, I'll go back and listen to again. I mean, just, you know, on a whim. I like it. I, I like that. I think that I sort of, in listening to this album, I think I kind of figured out, oh, wait, okay, that that's their wheelhouse, right? I think they really sort of, and we'll talk about it when we get through the songs, but it's like, oh, yeah, this is the kind of song that this band does really well. I think perhaps it's, they also went through that process of, of working out where they sound best and Having said that, there is quite a mix of songs on this. And again, as we always say, we'll talk about them as we get to them. But um, there's there's a few different genres within this album, a bit of a mix. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that as we go through them. But as always, we need to talk about the details of the album, and that's your job. I've got the hard copy, the, the CD here, so I'll be checking this twice and making sure you cover off everything. But... Uh, Yeah, if you could talk us through the album details. All right. So I've got for the release date is October 21st of 2016. Um, It's on Razor and Tie Records, which was the label of the second one too, but I don't think it was for the first one, if I remember correctly. This was produced by Kato Kandwala, again, as the previous two albums. Um, We'll probably talk more about this next album but this will be the last album that he'll produce for the band uh he'll he'll unfortunately pass a year and a half or so later um and then it was recorded at water music hoboken new jersey which i believe is also where they've done most of the recording for the last two albums as well uh lineup hasn't changed i mean they've kind of they've sort of locked it in there uh taylor momsen on vocals Ben Phillips on guitar, Jamie Perkins on drums, and then um, Matt's brother Mark on uh, bass. Hmm. Yeah. 
Mark Damon. And they had several guest musicians on this, which we'll talk about when we get to the songs, but some very talented artists making guests' appearance on this one. The cover art is quite, quite a big change from the styles that we'd seen on the previous album and indeed from the style of the next album. This one really stands out from all their other albums in terms of the artwork. Um, both the colour but more particularly the sort of feelings that it evokes. What are your thoughts on the cover art here? Talk us through it. It. So I, 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 I like the cover art of this. The cover art of this is very distinctly different than than what the previous two albums have been. Um, I assume that that Taylor Momsen is is the model for for this for this image, uh, and and I guess it was designed by it's a pencil pencil sketching from an anonymous friend. So it's a friend of Taylor Momsen's who's remained anonymous, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, but it it reminded me of um, do, do you remember was it Charlotte Charlotte Perkins Gilman's story the yellow wallpaper don't know it um, it's about a woman who is ba- ba- I mean basically she's gaslit right it was gaslighting before we knew what gaslighting was and she's driven crazy by her her husband um, she's sort of just driven insane by the people around her and but she's not she's not insane everything she's saying is reasonable she's right but she's led to sort of believe that she's crazy and i i, I don't know I, I even hear some of that coming through in the lyrics of the song and so maybe that was why i made that connection but the even the yellowing i just it reminded me of that of that short story yeah i mean there was a real sort of brashness and confidence in the cover art you know, the sort of, this is Taylor Momsen, she's not wearing many clothes or any on the previous album and she's, you know, just so bold to do that. This one is a very vulnerable image and I think that, and again, you're, you're right, there's some vulnerability that comes through in the lyrics on this that support the cover artwork. It's a very different feeling that you get both from the cover artwork and from reading the lyrics of the songs, and, and uh, perhaps we can talk a little more about those as we get through the track by track, which is always the next thing we do. Shall we get into it? Let's do it. Who's going to get the new ball, as they say in cricket? You wouldn't know about that. The new ball goes to? <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Okay. I assume new ball means I go first. Yes, <laughs> the, uh, I'm, ha- um, I'm happy to, to defer. <laughs> the, uh, the the first track is is sort of a, a split track. Um, it's two distinct tracks in one, right? I'm, yeah. uh, the walls are closing in, and then and then which which leads into Hangman. And the walls are closing in is, I guess, to what you were saying actually with that whole. I think you were the one that just mentioned vulnerability. Um, and, and it is, she's saying the, the lines are just very similar. It kind of reminds me of the, the beginning to Bohemian Rhapsody, but she's saying, uh, there's no light, mama, I can't see. There's no one left to break this fall, mama, there's no one at all, right? That's it over this, this piano. And then it busts into Hangman, which there are a couple things here of note. First off, it's them, and I realized this when 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 our first when our call started, and I was singing them bones in my head. 
this song reminds me of. It's got that sort of Alice in Chains feel. And I was trying to figure out what song does this remind me of? And I think like the doubling of the vocals and the way that even kind of that there's the, the intonation of the vocals sort of reminds me of them bones, I guess. That was what I found. Anyway, um, so there's that that kind of has that feel. Uh, there's the the sound of the guitar. The bass is kind of punching through a little bit harder here than I think we've heard before. Uh, and I appreciate like, so we've had two albums of sort of sexual double entendres and, and she just right out of the gate hits us with some Latin on this one. Like, huh. like something out of ghost. Yeah. It, it, it is an interesting, I, I don't see that these two songs actually go together that well. I'm not sure of the reason for sort of smushing them together like that. It is an interesting open opening. I like the piano. I made the same observation about Bohemian Rhapsody. It feels a little sort of tacked on, though, to me, that start. I don't know. It's, it, it seemed a little strange. I, I would have been happy for them to go straight into Hangman. The band that came to mind for me, I think because of the chanting rhythm, was Tool. I don't know. It was a sort of toolish build-up in that, in that rhythm. Uh, very catchy chorus, and they're very good with their choruses. And I, I like uh, the middle section of this song, too. This feels like something different for the band, as you said. It's it is a new direction and a very good song. I really like Hangman. Not so sure about the walls are closing in. You know, as promising as it was. Uh, the next one, though, is a hard rock song and, and very similar to the types of songs that we've heard on their previous album. It's called "Oh My God." This has a huge guitar and drum opening. I love the percussion on this. It did remind me of a couple of their uh, songs off previous albums. The vulnerability, though, even though it's not so much in the music, it, it does come through in the lyrics of this again. You know, this uh, this feeling of regret. I want to take it back. Uh, feelings of inadequacy that, um, you know, is a common theme in this album. So I enjoyed it, a, a nice sort of throwback to their previous work in, in terms of genre. Perhaps it ends a little abruptly for my liking. I, I'm, I don't think ending songs is a, is a strength of this band. They're great at starting mm. a song and getting into a, a groove and, a, and get you, getting you tapping your feet and singing along. But sometimes they get to the end and you think, oh, well, hey, what? We, we need another chorus or there needs to be – that didn't feel right there. So that would be my only – criticism of what was otherwise an enjoyable song and a reminder that they're still a very good hard rock band when they want to be. That's interesting that you mentioned about the ending because there's a, I'll talk about, I'll talk about that later with another song. Um, yeah, this one, I think that uh, there's a, there's a ferocity here to this song of, of kind of when it comes out. They, I think that, that this is one of their hard rocker songs as, as you've, um, mentioned and th there is that vulnerability and i really like how her voice sounds on this song it's got sort of this husky huskiness that comes through and and the drums are sort of this this constant pulse but this is one of those hard rocking songs where i think kind of the band started and so i want to pull into take me down track three where this is more of that mid-tempo rocker where this is, so when I was talking about earlier where the band has kind of sort of found their wheelhouse, it's this mid-tempo rocker is one of those styles where I think the band has just sort of honed this in. And I would even argue that maybe they're the 
best I've heard out there right now doing this style, this kind of mid tempo. Um, and I, I really like the song. I mean, it's it's definitely their a radio hit. Uh, it does that sort of quiet, loud, quiet formula that is, works really well for them. And she's got this great voice that for for building tension. And and this this song does that. She really does that a lot with these mid tempo rockers. Um, and then it's got that that bridge that sort of builds the you know here take a take a drink, but the anthemic uh, sort of that stadium you know playing to that loud that large audience. Yeah, this was the first song off this album that I thought that's a hit. And mm. The and it was a single, I think, too, and and they you know, played it live. And the the, to, the toms and the muted guitar that build up throughout the verses is, uh, it, yeah, they are very good at that. Uh, and here we see the first of the guest artists. This has some backing vocalists on it. That it's really nice to hear after hearing her voice double tracked so often. It's nice to hear some other voices. Uh, we did have Ben Phillips a couple of times, but. Here we get some female singers, and these are no slouches either. These are some big names. Uh, the names are Janice Pendavis, Jenny Douglas Foote, and Sophia Ramos. And if you look up their biography, they've performed with you know some some really major artists over the years. And, and it's really nice to hear. I, I like to hear the other singers. Interestingly, such strong vocalists, but Taylor Momsen holds her own with them i mean her voice doesn't sound out of place with these with these great singers behind her there's a couple of other little touches in this the little hammond organ comes in and that appears a few times on the album after the chorus i love the sound of that fits in nicely and there's a lovely tuneful guitar solo and the choruses are as catchy as ever and what makes a cor- a catchy chorus even catchier is a shaker. I love a good <laughs> shaker in a chorus, as you know. Uh, there is a sign with the devil bit, which I think makes about the 28th song out of 30 so far that mentioned the devil. So seems to be a, a common topic. The devil gets quite a mention. But this has a sort of crossroads theme in it. So I guess the devil warrants a mention there. That idea of playing music for your soul comes through in this one. It's a great song. I really liked it. Uh, the next one is called Prisoner. Now, this is a real bluesy number, sort of classic 12-bar blues. It's got that, for percussion, it's got a kind of marching slash shoveled earth kind of sound. It fits in with the prison theme. It sounds like the kind of sounds you would hear in a prison yard with the the prisoners marching around and the the digging going on or, you know, the shuffling of feet or something. And so it fits in with the theme. So here that question of what, how, you know, what genre is best for this band? You know, we saw some Southern blues type tendencies that were started to creep in and, and almost overtake the hard rock, heavy metal stuff they were doing. And I think this is another example of that. There's nothing, nothing groundbreaking in this song, but it is entertaining and well executed. And just another example of the band really doing well in the in the bluesy sort of rock genre. Um, 
just before you start, just the, again, the only criticism I have here is the ending. It's another example of a, a something that feels a little sudden there at the end, but uh, otherwise a good song. Your thoughts? Yeah, it, this was the other genre that I was referring to. It, the, sort of that bluesy stomp rocker. Um, mm. I think if they were to just go ahead and make an album of just bluesy stomp rockers in the mid-tempo, that you, they'd have just a solid album. Uh, mm. This one, again, I really like her voice. I, I, I I'm, Her voice is... There's this sort of huskiness that comes through and and really sells the songs in a way that maybe I just didn't notice or wasn't there as much on the first two albums. Um, it's her style of singing. It doesn't feel so slick, right? I mean, it feels like maybe in the earlier albums, it's possible her voice was sort of cleaned up a little bit in, in post-production whereas here it sounds more like they're just leaving it alone and letting it be i like the sound of the drums there's kind of that sort of dreamy sweet emotion by aerosmith drum fill effect kind of at one point here and the beginning and the ending the, the sort of the rhythm I'm, i was wondering if they were trying to emulate a chain gang right just to give keeping with the theme of the song yeah no i like i like this song it's yeah i like it uh, but but then that moves us into Wild City, which is track five. And this one does feel, I thought, to be a bit of a sort of divergence for them. It has kind of this cool dancey wah-wah effect that I don't know that I've, I've heard from them yet. And there's kind of, there's even the sort of the way that he's riding the hi-hat on the instrumental interludes, sort of it, it, there's a there's kind of like a, a 70s Isaac Hayes kind of superfly feel. To, yeah, um, yeah. I wrote a seventies seventies cop show is what I I wrote in. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we get the backing vocalists back here again. The uh, the three really strong voices. Yeah, I really I like the seventies vibe in this. It is quite different. I like the sound of the city. You know the the effects they use in the intro there, the car horns and the sirens and all of that stuff. Some good atmosphere, and uh, love the love the addition of the backing vocalists. I think they're a great compliment for Taylor Mobson's voice, which is, as always, the star of the show. Next one. And speaking of guest musicians, here we get another one. Now, the guest musician on this one is Warren Haynes. And, it, you know, we've only been, what are we up to? This is our seventh band. We've already, he's already featured on one of our other bands, Warren Haynes. Mm-hmm. He was, what was the song? It was, uh, there was an Atomic Bitchwax song off their second album, which was it Smokescreen? Yeah. Give me one second. I've got it right here. Um, sorry. That's all right. It was. I think it was Smokescreen. I think you're right. Yep, it was Smokescreen. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And he was great on that. I mean, he's, this guy's, if you can, he's obviously a bit of a gun for hire, but if you can hire him, he's worth, he's worth, Adding in, I don't think he was in the studio when they recorded this. They sent him the the complete or almost completed tracks track, and he and he added his flourishes over the top to his uh, slide guitar and uh, solos. There is another guitarist in this too, according to the liner notes. A fellow called Tommy Burns, who I assume is the same guy who's been Billy Joel's guitarist for the last 25 or something years. So again, another very accomplished musician. I don't know which part is, is whose. I assume that sort of extended solo towards the end is, is the Warren Haynes part, but you know, I, I don't exactly know who does what, but anyway, 
guest appearances aside, and they're very good, this is another one of those bluesy, southern fried numbers. And, yeah, this is a, a, a – again, I think they've found their strong suit with this one. There's plenty of familiar tropes for this kind of music. The There's a rollicking piano. The Hammond reappears at one point. The extended guitar solos. There is a point where it gives way to a sort of slower and more reflective section towards the end. So there's a lot in this, but none of it feels forced or overdone. There are a lot of ingredients, and sometimes you can accuse a chef of, of overcomplicating a dish, but I don't think they've done that here. I think they've managed to combine all, all these different things really well. It would have been a fun recording session. There's a, it feels like there's a real joy in this song, and... Yeah, it just rocks along really nicely. I, I really enjoyed it. It was in the running for my favourite, but I don't think it quite won, but it, it's certainly one of my favourites on this album and from the band so far. I think... All right, so there's this track and then a track that's coming up that I've got is in my running for my favourites. And like this song, this was the song that when I listened to this was the one where I went, oh yeah, these they're the best at doing this type of music. Right? They're the best out there right now at doing this type of music. And if I was to have to make a top 10 of mid-tempo rockers, not even just the pretty recklesses mid-tempo, if I was to make a top 10 of all-time mid-tempo rock, this has got to go on it. This, I just, I, this is such a great song. Um, I think it's one of my favorite songs on the album. I think it's up there in favorite song by the band, as I think you just you mentioned the same. The theme that keeps coming up, and I'm noticing it here also, uh, is this idea of sort of recapturing, trying to get back to sort of an innocence and naivete that was sort of lost, right? Almost like she, now her eyes are open to kind of what's around her in a way that she didn't necessarily know before and sort of wants to go back to that. And, And I'm seeing that theme come up repeatedly and it, it, I guess it goes back to vulnerability as, as it comes up here but at the end of the day long story short you can't go wrong with a Warren Haynes guitar solo I, is what I'm is what I'm realizing you, you just you just can't the next song is who you selling for just before you go on yeah um have you got any touchstones in terms of influences on the previous one my knowledge I, I was thinking Leonard Skinner but I, my knowledge of that whole branch of music perhaps isn't as good as yours have you got anyone that you could compare it to with that piano and that you know the whole who were you thinking and which bands came to mind in that one i was thinking government mule i mean i that was so i was just thinking that that was where i mean i think that they wrote this song and they had sort of this southern because it, it it definitely has more of a southern feel to it than take me down right um, and so, and, and you just referenced that with Leonard Skinner. And so I imagine they wrote the song and they were just like, we, we got to get Warren Haynes on this, right? I, I'm imagining that it was, it was sort of a, we, we need to add his touch to this. And so I would think kind of just sort of that genre, that government mule style. Okay. Leonard Skinner, not, I mean. I, I haven't listened to government mule. I'm, I guess I need to. All right. You got the next one. Who are you selling for? The- this is the title track. A nice little tune. Uh, I like the guitars. I like the vocals um, opening. The drums kind of creep in, but they're, they're never really sort of at the forefront, just kind of always silently, you know, sneaking around in the back there. Um, and then everything does kind of open up, and we get backing vocals. The drum unleashes just a little bit, kind of crescendoing of this tension, and then it all just pulls back out again. 
right? And so it's just like this brief flash, and then and then it all just sort of recedes back, back to the background. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it's a nice song. It and I think that if you're gonna whoever is doing the sequencing of this album, it, I think it was the best song to follow, the last song. I think that yeah. you know kind of quiet things down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Felt a little short for me this song. I, there was a, I think there's a good song in this. It's an interesting choice for the title track, perhaps at two minutes forty seven. It fe- again, it feels just a little bit unfinished, and, and they could have sort of built on it a little more and had a more complete feeling song. I think to me, the highlight is that middle section. In the lyrics, you'll notice she name checks a few people. So John and Paul, obviously from the Beatles, the Roger. She's talking about Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. Can you tell me who Travis is? <laughs> there's a Travis. I, I don't know. Am I just so ignorant that there's some really famous Travis I don't know about? And when Travis called, I didn't even answer. Who is that? I don't know. <laughs> Travis Barker? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, because the others were all kind of obvious, right? Rod, let's talk about Roger building a wall, and there was a yeah. walrus reference with Paul. I don't know. There was a strange. There, there was these. When Travis, just, yeah. When Travis called, I didn't even answer. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I, 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 <laughs> I thought that was an odd lyric, and and I felt so ignorant. Like there's obviously some really famous Travis I don't know about, but anyway. Doesn't matter. Next one is, uh, and we'll probably work it out later or someone will tell us and we'll, we'll realize, ah, oh, idiots. Anyway, not to worry. Mm-hmm. Next one, bedroom window is change of time signature here. Now, it's always hard to tell, 6, 8 or 3, 4. I'm putting this in 6, 8. This is a real, gives, gives it a real sort of folky vibe, almost like a, or a Simon and Garfunkel or Greensleeves, you know, one of those folk type ballads lovely vocal performance again but again only two minutes so you know if you're going to do it i think commit to it it just feels a little unsub insubstantial you're the english teacher insubstantial insubstantial at only two minutes long and something they could have built on a little more i thought and not pleasant enough song but just left me feeling like it was an incomplete work your thoughts i was wondering, I guess, if I, I, I don't, does, is this credited to Taylor Momsen and Ben Phillips or just Taylor Momsen? Uh, there's not, it doesn't have individual credits on my It doesn't? CD. Okay, because no. it reminds me of, do you remember on the last album, there were several of kind of these just little bits that would pop up in the middle of mm. just sort of her and a guitar. Um, yeah, the one about usually, a sister. Yeah, and they were. I think they were all the just Taylor Momsen songs, yeah. and so I was wondering if this was just another one of those. Mm. Um, it's just I, I don't know. I it, yeah, I it seems like a it's a track eight, right? I mean, this yeah. is just sort of it's it's there and it kind of a, a moment to catch your breath, and then uh, mm. they're about to you know kick everything off again with the next track. Yep, which. Which I'll go into, um, which track nine, "Living in the Storm," and this is just uh, you know another song again that sort of captures what they do well. It's 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 fast, it's angry, it's gritty. It's got a great guitar solo, but I'm I'm gonna be honest. This is one that 
the number of times that I'd listened to this album, I just, I was inclined to skip this one. Mm. I would sort of, you know, after bedroom window, I'd just find myself this, I would start the song and I would listen to it. And then I'd just be like, all right, let's, let's jump ahead. Yeah. I must admit it didn't, it didn't grab me in any major way either. I think because we'd had some highlights in a different genre, going back to the hard rock felt like I, I just wanted more of what I'd, what we'd been getting rather than a throwback to their more rocky stuff at this point. Interestingly, this was a choice for uh, their second single off the album. So the band obviously really liked it and thought their fans would too. Um, hmm. I, I don't mind it. Like Sequencing-wise, it, it's good here. It's, it's something different at this point in the album. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was okay. I quite liked the, the lyrics and... and it was, a, it was a decent hard rock song, but nothing outstanding in my mind. And, yeah, I, I wasn't inclined to skip it, but it wasn't one that overly grabbed me either. The next one's called Already Dead, and we're getting now towards the end of the album. Um, track 10 here. Pink Floyd jumped out at me. I don't know about you, but uh, certainly in that opening guitar sound and the pace of the song, and the fact, maybe it's the fact that we're two songs off her referencing Pink Floyd in the lyrics that had Pink Floyd in my mind. Again, there's some experimentation with time signatures here. It's not 4-4 all the way through. So I quite liked it. A nice, slower song, a bit of an experiment for them. That, um, you know, it's nice to hear a band trying different things. Perhaps a little bit too obviously derivative for me. Pink Floyd's never been a band that I've spent a lot of time with in the past, but this did, you know, if I was, if I wanted to, I think I'd listen to Pink Floyd rather than this. I don't know about you. This was actually the other song that I had listed as one of my favorite songs on the album. Oh, wow. Um, and I think part of what I wonder is my impatience with track nine wasn't so I couldn't just already just move ahead to track 10. This is one of, this is a song that grew on me. Uh, the more I listened to it. I, I don't know that it stood out to me the first couple times I heard it. it. It sort of grew later. And I just, I there there's, I love like that clean acoustic guitar under sort of that bluesy electric guitar that's happening over it, the way that those two sounds are doubled together. And, and just her voice. And the, I just wrote down her voice. Who, seriously, who rocks like this right now? Like who, who has the, who can sing like this right now? And especially, I just, I don't know. I think that her voice is definitely filling a void of, of just female rock stars out there, which takes us into The Devil's Back. Um, this is the longest song in their catalog up to this point, right? It's seven minutes and six seconds. And I really like this song too. It sort of seems to let Ben Phillips kind of play around at the end. Lyrically, the song shifts perspectives, kind of like she did with, um, I think it was Sweet Things on the last album, but Sweet Things, I think, had dual vocals. This one doesn't, but she still sort of plays two different characters in it. My only wish for this one, and I think what kind of keeps this song down for me a little bit, is that Ben Phillips gets to do all the sort of noodling and playing around at the end, and the bass and drums don't, they don't change. They're just they sort of stay the same the whole way through. And I would have, I don't know. I think that that was, there was a window for the three of them to kind of just jam around together. And I would have uh, liked to have heard that. 
No, this uh, this was my favourite song on the album. Uh, we get the devil reference again. Um, a lot of devil talk on this band. It's like uh, the, the pretty reckless equivalent of Where's Wally. <laughs> I like I like the lyrics. It, and that vulnerability that has been a theme that we've kept coming back to, it shows up majorly in the lyrics here. You know, I hate what I've become now. Anxiety is slowly killing me. So it's very heartfelt, and she's really opening herself up in this song and on this album generally, which makes it, I think, more appealing as a work of art than just a, hey, we're hard rockers and we're, we're here to show you how good we are. You know, this is, this is something uh, deeper, I think, and something, something more authentic. Musically, we get the bass drum and a, and a shaker for the percussion. So that, and there's over the top of that, there's these shimmery guitar effects. It's a very haunting or maybe haunted vibe to the song. There's a little bit of piano and some keyboard stabs here and there. But what makes it my favourite? You mentioned the solo towards the end, which I really like. But the way Momsen joins in and and brings her voice in as an instrument at that point and it starts sort of wailing and, and moaning. I, you know, I, I really like the use of her voice in that way. And it's as patient as I've heard them. It's their longest song, but also I think the song where they finally just let the song play out. And, you know, I found that really effective and it, it felt like a complete song to me and it I really like the fact that they just let let themselves um, let this work of art develop and and can, can come to a, a satisfying completion and yeah again love the, the use of her voice here to me this probably should have been the album closer it felt like an album closer to me but it's not and we'll talk about the next song but you wanted to say something yeah, no, I was just because so I was thinking about my comment about how the bass and the drums sort of don't, they don't get the chance to jam around. And I was thinking that I, I had been in a band a while back and the, the theme, the sync, the vocalist and the guitar player did all of the songwriting. And I can remember we had recorded an album and it was sort of, they would, and I wonder if it's this, like this with the band where sort of they, they have everything worked out. The song's pretty much worked out and done. And then the bass player and the drums kind of just sort of come in when, you know, they, they start the clock, they come yeah. in, do what they do and then leave. Um, and I was just thinking as, as sort of you were talking about that. And then I was thinking in my comment, I wonder if that's sort of how this band works. If Ben Phillips and uh, Taylor Momsen, they sort of do all the, you know, all the heavy lifting and and then they the the song is pretty much just done by the time that it gets into the hands of Jamie Perkins and Mark Damon and their job. Yeah, is it might be true. I mean, it just on the on the liner notes it just says all songs written by Taylor Momsen and Ben Phillips. So that would tend to support your argument, perhaps. And mm. yeah, perhaps there would was a role for a bit of input from the bass player at that in that jammy section towards the end might have added something. Good comment. As I said. Felt like an album closer to me, this one, but it's not. And instead, we get something. This is my first WTF question mark moment. Like, like you kind of feel like, ah, oh, wow, how lovely. And then all of a sudden you get 
something completely different. And to my mind, really out of place, this kind of, it's called Mad Love. The, the last song on the album, it's kind of like an 80s disco hit or something. This, this quirky, distorted bass line. I mean, don't get me wrong, I actually really like this song. I think it's a fun song, but I just, but why is it here? Who chose this as the last song on the album? How does it fit with anything else? Any other emotion or, you know, it just seems so out of place, this song. It's a really strange finish to the song. I mean, maybe it could have worked in earlier in the in the album somewhere, but to me to finish on this was just an odd way to bring this whole thing. It just left me feeling very confused. How did, how did it make you feel? Nobody does B-sides anymore, do they? Do you remember yeah, back in the day when mm. in, in bands would just store up all these extra songs and throw them out as B-sides? Um, yeah. This could have been this could have been that. I had read somewhere yeah. that this was uh, an homage to uh, to David Bowie. Uh, David yeah, Bowie I can see that. Prefer. I certainly can see that. But but what, what's it doing the, here? The, the opening though that's that's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't make that connection, but. Okay, maybe. But yeah, what do you think? I mean, do you agree? Like, is, does it feel out of place? It, it absolutely, yeah. It does feel out of place. I don't know where it would have fit better. It's it's not a bad song. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we were able to hear it. But it it, it, it is a good song. And, it, and I, I definitely hear that sort of David Bowie influence. And it, it seems even lyrically, it feels like a song that's sort of set apart from the rest. There's no no mention of the devil anywhere. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of mention a lot of love fantasy it just even lyrically it's sort of a different song yeah which no i think is, less is more sometimes and i think if they had have, as you said just stored this away and released it i don't know as a single to sell at concerts or something just you don't have to put every song that you that you write and, and make on an album if it doesn't belong perhaps so this mm. one left this one could have i could have done without but Overall, tell us about your. So, I mean, you obviously liked the album, right? I did. I think that I do. of Of the three that we've heard so far, this is I, I like this one. Stylistically, I like it. I think that they've found sort of their their. I found. I think they found what they do well. Um, I think the songs track three and track six. I think that those songs are just quintessentially the pretty reckless. Which right. Is, I think if you were uh, if, take take me down and back and, to the river. Uh, yeah. Back to the river. I think if you were to, if anybody was to ask you who is this band, I think you just put on either one of those songs and just be like, "This is. Do you like this? Yeah. This is the band." Yeah, yeah. But that's. But having said that, I mean they're kind of new for the band at the same time. It's not something they were hinting at it on their previous album, but it's these are in some ways a new direction for the band. So that's where in my comments because. Thinking forward to the next album, I'm kind of hoping more of that continues. But I'm yeah, me too. also also fully aware that there's going to be a huge shift in the band's sort of structure and influence between mm. this album and the next album. And there's what five years I think pass between the two albums. Yeah, and we had the and we will have the passing of Mr. Candwalla. It slightly worries me that the cover artwork on the next album looks like the first two more so than this one. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too far ahead of 
myself, and I'm happy to give it a listen, but yeah, I, like you, hope this isn't the last we've heard of that bluesy, mid-tempo, southern influence rock, which they seem to do so well. If you look at the cover, and I know we'll talk about this more, but on that next album, she's laying on a tomb. I think that, uh, I think the uh, the loss of Cato Kandwala is definitely not going to go un- unmentioned. Yeah, of course. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got that. We'll find that out soon. Um, we'll talk to at the end of the podcast if we, because there is another possibility of another album we could cover before we get to that one. So let's hold that conversation to the end. Firstly, though, the all-important Bound Brownlow, we need to cover that off and make sure our listeners aren't left wondering who our top three performers were. You usually go first. I think I'll, uh, I might take it over soon. Uh, and you, can, you might hear a pigeon that seems to have settled in our roof somewhere near here that's uh, making his or her contribution felt as well. Uh, of course... And I don't think it's going to change, and I suspect you're going to say the same. Taylor Momsen gets the three votes as the best performer on this album. One of my favourite vocalists, full stop, great singer. And, um, yeah, I think her voice, it's so, you know, I think we've, I don't think we've used the word effortless yet on this, on this episode, but it does seem like it just, it's just a natural thing for her. I'm sure she works on it, but yeah, just a great voice and so adaptable. You know, there are several different styles of song on this album, but she pulls them all off equally well and holds her own with those really strong backing vocalists that appear on two of the songs. So great performance, Taylor Momsen, and really nice to hear the development in lyrics on this one as well. Two votes. Mmm... I guess Ben Phillips has to get it, the co-songwriter. And, uh, you know, he makes various musical contributions as well. I'd love to give a vote to the backing vocalists, but I, I don't think that they technically qualify. Or maybe a vote to Warren Haynes for basically one solo on one song. But I better give it to one of the actual band members. So I'll give it to the drummer. Um, so that'll do. Is that the drummer's Jamie Perkins, right? I think so. All right, just to be contrarian, um, I'm giving my th- my three votes. Actually, are uh, I was just gonna I was gonna say they no. were the bass player just for yeah no, no. it's uh no it's it's going to Taylor Momsen my the the three and the two I I don't know how to do that differently I can't I can't give i mean taylor momsen and ben phillips have to take the top two spots on this one uh i was torn actually between mark damon and jamie perkins mark damon i haven't given him any i haven't shown any love to him at all and uh and i thought the bass does do some kind of there's some moments here where the bass kind of stands out uh my inclination was to go jamie perkins but you did so i'm gonna go mark damon okay um so we're Almost done. I think we've mentioned, talked a little bit about about our expectations for the next album. The the elephant in the room, though, is that there is a new album out from a band that we have previously covered on Unshuffled, and we both really loved them. And the new album is getting all sorts of press. The band is Ghost, and their new album, Impera, is 
not only out, but I have already ordered and received the CD, and I believe you've already ordered and received the vinyl. So we've got mm-hmm. it there going, ready to go. What do we do? Do we finish with the Pretty Reckless, sign off on them, and then move on to the new Ghost album? Or do we just say, you know what, that last Pretty Reckless album can wait, and we uh, we get our grubby little fingers on, on the new Ghost album and, and give that a listen? Well, now, first of all, we get to make the rules here. Um, yes. We, we do what we want. But I Absolutely. was going to say, I, I was, I was going to suggest we'd be a little bit more covert about this and take this conversation off mic and, and, and do the ghost thing. And then, and then if our, our fans are the multitude are, are clamoring and, and, and can't handle the, 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 the not sequencing, we, we would, that would be sort of like a special drop that we would do later. Um, a midweek. Uh, anyway, I, I say we do ghost. I, I say, say we I do say ghost we, as well. Yeah. I've got like, the vinyl. It's hot pink. <laughs> it's a hot pink vinyl. It's so it's like bubble gum. It's amazing. Have you opened it up yet? Is it, it the, the yeah. CD has this uh, twenty-eight page booklet oh, with all this artwork the, in it? Do you get that in we, the vinyl? That yes, it's stunning. It's huge. I was looking at it with my son. My five-year-old son would, looked at it, and he's like, "These drawings are really cool." That was, and I was just <laughs> like, "They're amazing." And and I started. I was looking at it actually today while I was while I was. My, co- my morning coffee, I was just flipping through. There's a story in the just in the artwork. And I started to put it together today where I think, I don't know, we'll see, we'll talk. But I think that like even the, the artwork itself is telling a story outside of whatever's happening musically. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, all right. We can't. It's, I'm like a kid with a marshmallow sitting in front of me. <laughs> I, I've, I've got to eat it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do that. We'll come back and finish the pretty reckless after after Ghost. But uh, listeners, if you would like to join us in uh, having listened to the new Ghost album, please do. We'll be back to discuss it sooner or later, when, whenever our lives allow. And um, or you can skip straight ahead to the to the next pretty reckless album if you're if you're keen to head that direction. And we'll catch up with you in a, in a couple of podcasts. So that'll just about wrap this up. As always, the show notes for this will be posted on our website, unshufflepod.com. We'll also post a link to those through our Twitter feed, at unshufflepod on Twitter, and uh, you know there's various other things that we post on there from time to time. You can contact us, unshufflepod at gmail.com, for any comments or feedback you'd like to give us or suggestions for future bands. We're happy to take those on too. And we're going to leave you soon. You'll hear a band, which you heard in the intro music as well. The band is called Seven Planets. They're on the Small Stone label, which is a fantastic stoner rock, uh, sort of 70s influence, fuzzies rock label, which is great. Um, That Seven Planets track is called Vanguard, off their album Explorer, the instrumental stoner rock band, which are which is well worth a listen to. Scott, it's been a pleasure as always. We both enjoyed this one, but now we've got a slight diversion before we get back to the next one, but uh, should be fun. Make sure you stick with us listeners as we, as we listen to ghost and then finish, come back and with us as we finish off the pretty reckless. Scott, it's been a pleasure. Yes, Matt, great seeing you and uh, to all of our, our multitude of listeners. Stay safe.